You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it'd be awesome to get the 10th win. It's, 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 it's not that common, right? I mean, there's not going to be very many people in that picture of double-digit wins during the season. So it'd be, it's, it's like I just mentioned, didn't go through them all. There's lots of reasons to win this game. It's Iowa. It's a rival game. It's, it's a chance still for us to win the division to get to the Big Ten championship game. It's 10 wins. It's a better bowl game. It's, it, there's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of reasons. Yeah, it's, it's always a tough game against them. It's always the last game of the year. So it's, it's set up um, pretty well to be a good rivalry, obviously. And they got us last year at home, and then we got them the year before at home. So it, it's, it's been some good, some good ball games, and we're really looking forward to this matchup this weekend. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we get you geared up for the Black Friday showdown Nebraska and Iowa here in Iowa City. It's a 2.30 kickoff on ABC. Uh, this is the second year in a row we've had a 2.30 time for this game on ABC. The previous four uh, were all 11 a.m. kickoffs, so the game has definitely gained more national prestige the last couple of years uh, we, you know, with Iowa last year being a Rose Bowl team, and, and this year having a little bit more meaning with Iowa's win over Michigan and Nebraska's nine and two record. But let's get right to it out of the gates. I mean, there are a lot of questions about just the overall stability of Nebraska's quarterback position as they go into Iowa City. Uh, we know that Tommy Armstrong suffered the hamstring injury against Minnesota, missed the game against Maryland, um, and you know, with those hamstrings, it's one of those things that. You just don't know until he takes some live plays. And how limited is that going to make him? And then Riker Fife breaks his wrist, his non-throwing wrist against Maryland um, in the start last week. And, you know, he's got a splint on and a screw in his his non-throwing wrist. And that's the hand you take snaps with under center. Um, So there are a lot of questions uh, with this QB position as Nebraska. Robin is really just trying to survive and keep the redshirt on Patrick O'Brien and get to a bowl game, maybe 10 and two. This is unlike really any situation, you know, I've personally experienced covering this team. I mean, the fact that, you know, you're looking at potentially starting a guy who opened the season as a wide receiver, um, as maybe your worst case scenario is your starting quarterback in Zach Darlington. And so, yeah, this is certainly not uh, something Nebraska ideally would be wanting to deal with, but I, I do think that at least as far as Tommy Armstrong is concerned, you know, that there's probably a little bit better of a chance that he gives it a go um, than there was last week. Obviously, Riker Five is his non-throwing hand. Uh, it's not going to impact his running ability. And, you know, I guess it kind of just remains to be determined uh, how much that's going to impact his uh uh, productivity and performance, you know, holding on to the football and, and such. So um, a lot of different variables that I think are just going to have to work the, their way out um, as Nebraska gets through practice. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be, once again, you know, another game-time decision, not only for, you know, one quarterback, for, for possibly their top two. Yeah, with Riker, you know, I, I think the, probably the biggest question is with him is, you know, what kind of cast does, does that surgery um, entail? You know, is this something that – that doesn't need a cast or just a you know a, a slight soft cast of some sort or or is he basically going to have a club there you know I, I don't know I don't know I don't think anyone really knows exactly until we see his hand we know what uh, what that entails but we, we saw you know when uh, Taylor Martinez was here sometimes when he was banged up they they basically had Rex Burkhead in the Wildcat at some times. Uh, back in the day. Uh, but I mean, I think for me being a recruiting guy, I think all of this kind of goes back to the poor quarterback recruiting that we've seen uh, for so long. You basically had two guys be be the guys for the last eight years. Um, and when you do go through some No one's injuries, developed. 
Yeah, no one's developed. And, and when you do finally suffer some injuries there, um, you know, it's it's kind of a it's a big giant wild card, big giant question. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what unfolds this week. And thank goodness Zach Darlington stuck around. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys, as you look at the situation, would have maybe left, but that's not Zach. I mean, Zach is a Nebraska guy. He wants to be here. He's from Florida, obviously, but he really bleeds red. And um, he will do whatever it takes for Nebraska to win. And he's moved himself back to quarterback. Um, but still, you know, they don't want to get to the situation where he's on the field. Honestly, though, I have this thought in my mind. I'd be pretty intrigued to see what he could do because of his mobility and, you know, and the way he, he just the way he carries himself. But I don't think the coaches want to yeah. be in that situation um, going forward. But there's no doubt as we're uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Wash at A class, we're getting you geared up for the Black Friday showdown. In Iowa City, between Nebraska and Iowa, it's a 2.30 game on ABC. Um, you look at this matchup and, and start to zone in, uh, it's got a way different feel than what we thought maybe a month ago. Iowa lost early to North Dakota State, early to Northwestern. Um, they looked terrible in a 14-7 win against Rutgers. They looked pretty poor in a 14-7 win against Minnesota. They have just kind of muddied the waters but all of a sudden, after a blowout loss at Penn State where they gave up nearly 600 yards to the Nittany Lions, they go out and beat Michigan and just shut them down. And then they go on the road and they shut down Illinois for a shutout, uh, which was, I believe, Iowa's first shutout since 2009 in conference play. And, and this game, all of a sudden, Robin, has a lot of intrigue with just how much better this Iowa team has played particularly the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, there was a point, like you said, a month ago where this was maybe being viewed as a potential Big Ten West championship game, but, um, you know, obviously there's still a little bit of that in play, but, um, you know, not quite the matchup, you know, many had expected, but um, there's still a lot riding on this game, uh, especially for both teams. I mean, Iowa, for as difficult as things had gotten for them, um, you know, to be able to end the year with three straight wins, including wins over Michigan and Nebraska, I mean, that, that's a big deal for them. Uh, and then, obviously, there's a lot of stake for Nebraska. You're talking about a potential 10-win season. You're talking about keeping yourself alive for a uh, potential uh, New Year's Six. Yeah, New Year's Six Bowl, a Big Ten West Championship, a Big Ten Championship appearance. I mean, there, there's still a lot riding on this game, and so that adds a lot of intrigue um, to this game, even if it isn't quite um, the stakes that maybe we had predicted you know, a month or two ago. And Nebraska you know, is kind of in striking distance of that New Year's Six. I mean, they're... They're right there at nine and two. If they were to go ten and two, there's a lot of quality matchups this weekend where a lot of ranked teams are going to lose, and and Nebraska has an opportunity to move up. Nate, as you kind of look at this season, and you know everyone thinks it's Tampa right now. Maybe Orlando depends on what happens with the Orange Bowl bid, uh, but you know the, you just never know how things could shake out here if they beat Iowa on Friday. Well, yeah, after the way things played out a couple of weeks ago, that same weekend that Iowa did beat Michigan, I, I think that's one thing you can count on is that you never really do know exactly how things are going to play out. Um, and there are a lot of things that, that are at stake this weekend, but, you know, don't look like they, um, you know, will muddy the waters too much. But, again, you just you just never know. And, and for Nebraska, you know, they're catching Iowa. I, I think that win against Michigan completely re-energized this Iowa team. They they're seem to be playing really really good football right now um so it's going to be a big test for nebraska and um you know if they can get that win and and somehow backdoor their way into uh you know indianapolis some way or or whatever you know that'll that'll really uh change up the bowl scene i think and this will be maybe the best atmosphere we've seen in iowa city um the previous two trips out there iowa hasn't had good teams i mean nebraska won both those games 
13-7 to win the West, or I guess the lead, lead legends or leaders, whatever they were in back in 2012. I've already lost track of those horrible division names uh, the Big Ten came out with initially. And then they won in overtime in Bo Pelini's final game, um, which still did you know, we, I remember we drove out of Iowa City not even knowing. We just said, we're going to go back and mm-hmm. just in case. Well, Pelini didn't get fired on Friday, didn't get fired on Saturday, and then everyone's like, oh, he survived, and then he get fired, got fired after that trip out there. So, um, but a 2.30 start, uh, it should really be a, a good atmosphere. Um, it's great for the traveling fans, not only from Iowa, because a lot of Iowa fans travel from, you know, two to three, four-hour distances into Iowa City, but a lot of Nebraska fans now uh, will be able to make this drive in uh, to Iowa City. Uh, you, you know, you technically can get up and, and leave the Omaha metro area or Lincoln at 8 or 9 in the morning and make it into Iowa City uh, for kickoff without any issues. So, um, it should be a good representation of fans from both sides, and I'm looking forward to things. But when we come back, we're going to get you ready for the offensive storylines uh, as the Huskers, no doubt, are going to have their challenges this week. Uh, we'll discuss that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Just said that their, their linebacking core is very active, you know, always, always the, the toughest linebackers we play. So that's a, that's a tough part, uh, especially as in the slot receiver position where you have to deal with them throughout the entire game. Uh, super athletic secondary, obviously, they have Desmond King coming back, who's a real good cornerback. Um, they'll be ready to go. They're, they're pretty disciplined defense, but um, you know, if, if we do what we're supposed to, we, we should be okay. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. As you just heard, wide receiver Jordan Westerkamp discussing the physicality of this Iowa Hawkeye defense. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A-Class, as we get you geared up for the Black Friday showdown here in Iowa City as Nebraska gets ready to take on Iowa here. Uh, they lead the Heroes Games uh, Trophy Series 3-2, to two, but you know Iowa, the way they defend, it is different. You know A lot of teams will run their nickels, they run their dimes. Iowa's a big believer and just keeping those linebackers out there, and, and, and they just get physical. And, you know, Jordan Westerkamp, a lot of times here on Friday, he's going to have, you know, some just big, burly, white linebacker from Iowa just knocking the crap out of him at the line of scrimmage. And, and, and you know, a lot like Wisconsin, the, the way they, they do it, and uh, they don't match personnel. They just get physical with you, and, and, and they make you earn it. And that has always been the Norm Parker uh, formula with Kirk Ferentz. And uh, that was what Jordan Westerkamp talked about, just how Iowa, year in and year out, has had the most physical linebackers they've seen here in the Big Ten. Yeah, and what, what Iowa makes its bank on is playing you know sound, um, you know mistake-free defense, and they just wait for the offense to kind of make, make bad mistakes with the football. And they drop a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, they basically just dare you to, to try and force footballs into passes and um, you know try and take risks, and then they capitalize on it. Uh, you know, obviously, they have one of the best linebackers in the conference, and Josie Jewell, um, former walk-on, I believe, who now leads the Big Ten with 105 tackles on the season. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that he kind of headlines that linebacking core, which as Jordan Westerkamp said, is uh, as good of a group as you know he's faced in his career um, in the Big Ten. So uh, it's clearly a, a physical, um, you know, consistent defense that is going to make you earn everything that you get against them. Yeah, I just I look back to last year's game against Iowa, and I think that was a good, a great representation of their defense. I mean, they were solid all night long and just capitalized on 
mistakes that the Nebraska offense made, and that's what they're going to try and do this weekend. They, they, they did a great job of shutting down Michigan's offense. Uh, I think they held Illinois to about 60 yards rushing, uh, under 200 yard total yards of offense. So um, it's, it's a, a tough front seven, and, and the, like, like you said, they, they kind of dare you to – to uh, to pass on him, and, and obviously we all know Desmond King is one of the top defensive backs in the entire nation. So, um, you know, it's going to be a great test for the Huskers, no doubt about it. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, this segment of the show brought to you by Weber Grills. As Get online, and, and uh, as you get ready to make your Cyber Monday purchases, check out the uh, Husker Tailgate Grill Grill they sell on Weber Grill websites. Um, it's a custom-made Weber uh, that's perfect for the tailgater and Husker fan in your life. And, you know, a lot of ways, guys, when, when you go back and, and look at last year's Iowa game, that was kind of maybe the final straw for Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf, kind of the come-to-Jesus moment that, you know what, what we want to do, not all of it's going to work in the Big Ten. Not all of it's going to work with Tommy Armstrong, with our offensive line. And, and they've, they really adjusted who they were more than ever after that game against Iowa because, you know, I, I kind of remember after that game, you know, there were questions, would Tommy even be the starter the next year? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just such a terrible taste in your mouth from that game a year ago where, you know, the bowl game against UCLA, that was exactly the only thing that could have happened that could have turned things around, uh, a quality victory over a brand opponent with Tommy Armstrong playing well, and they did. And so I think that game, Robin, was in a lot of ways the turning point or the final straw for this staff on maybe having to kind of reinvent who they were. Yeah, I know there's probably a lot of people that wonder why it took that far into the season to to learn that. But, you know, sometimes you you got to learn your lessons the hard way. And I think that Nebraska's coaching staff did exactly that. Uh, and it took all of last year's regular season to do it. And like you said, that, that, was, that Iowa game was kind of the exclamation point. I mean, there was a lot of reasons that Nebraska probably should have won that game had they not been able to, you know, stay out of their own way. I mean, the, the turnovers late in that game were so costly. I mean, Tommy's just poor decision-making. right? Yeah, and it's another instance of the way Iowa baits you into making mistakes. And, uh, you know, they did a perfect job of luring Tommy into making some really questionable throws when a more conservative, you know, run-oriented offense probably wins Nebraska that game. Uh, and ends Iowa's undefeated regular season. So, um, yeah, looking back, that was probably kind of the point where we're like, all right, we really need to reevaluate what we're doing here offensively. And uh, they really took a, a, f- a close look at everything they were doing with that offensive game plan over the bowl week and, or bowl month, I should say, and then uh, translated that into probably one of their you know best offensive performances of the season. You think about that, Nate, last year, Tommy Armstrong really wasn't running it yet much. Amani Cross, let's just call it what it is. I mean, he just wasn't average kind of a three, four-yard type guy. Newbie had not yet really done much. And Ozigbo, they hadn't really committed to him. So their running game at that point, you know, was not very impressive. Well, it wasn't very impressive. It wasn't very creative. Um, You know, I I feel like, and I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I feel like this year's team has been a much more balanced attack from last year's uh, team. And and uh, and I, I feel like they've gotten a little bit more creative with the run game too, or what they at least what what they're trying to hang their hat on. Obviously, running Tommy a little bit more has been part of that, but uh, I just feel like uh, they've taken some pressure off of, of Tommy too, and, and kind of changed the way uh, that they handle him in certain situations. So as we as we know, especially with that game last year, there were some certain spots where Tommy.
Tommy was kind of put in put in a situation to to make a play and um, or to go a certain direction with the football and, and he did not go that direction with the football. So um, I think that just there's just so much that has changed since that game. So um, you know I, it would be. I think that we'll be able to look back after this Friday, after this game in Iowa City, and, and see exactly, um, you know, maybe that offense under Mike Riley at Nebraska, how far it's come uh, over the last year. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washington, as we get you ready for the Black Friday showdown here with Nebraska in Iowa and Iowa City. And guys, um, you know, another guy that has to step it up this week is Terrell Newby. You look at what he's done, 825 rushing yards now on the season closing in on a thousand um and i think if we would have known he'd have a thousand this year i think a lot of people would be really happy with that result mike riley said on monday this is the best month of football or stretch of football he has seen from newbie and i think if they're going to go into iowa city it's going to have to be a, a day where he gets around 100 yards and, and get some big you know tough short yardage type uh, carries robin yeah, I mean, I agree with what, what Riley said. I mean, if you look at the numbers, uh, Newby's getting better and better by the week. You know, he has 825 rushing yards on the season. 707 of those have come in Big Ten play. He's averaging 88 yards a game, which ranks sixth in the conference overall. So uh, he's saving his best for last. And uh, I know there was a lot of hope or hype uh, surrounding him uh, as coming in as a, what was he, Nate, a four, five-star, four-star? He was a four-star, a top 100 kid. Though. Top 100, four-star recruit out of California, comes out here and, um, you know, plays right away as a true freshman but you know it never quite reached that level uh that many had hoped he would be and it, you know took maybe longer than he and a lot of other fans expected but um he's really uh, played the best football of his career especially down the stretch here and uh, he's been as valuable of a piece to Nebraska's offense uh as there is on that entire roster especially uh with the issues they've been having a quarterback yeah and, and I'm definitely I'm one of those guys that has to eat a little bit of Terrell Newby crow because <laughs> after being so highly ranked uh, coming out of high school and and for him to you know just didn't really develop in to a complete running back, it didn't seem. Um, you know, I was I was kind of ready to to write the guy off, or just to to more or less consider him uh, kind of a one trick pony. You know, as a, a speed guy, uh, someone who needed everything to be blocked perfectly uh, to in order to to rip off a big a big run or two. And uh, but he's he's made me eat my words this well, year. Well, I think it's Reggie Davis too. You got to well, give yeah. him a lot of credit. Absolutely, they don't fumble like they used to. And I just think the development has been a lot better with running backs under Reggie Davis. Yeah, and uh, and Tyrell Newby's finishing runs. I I feel like over the last month or so, um, you know, a lot of times when he would have been he would have been brought down by an arm tackle or or um, you know he's breaking those tackles now and and he's he's running finishing things off becoming stronger not only as the season progresses but as the game progresses as well. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to the defense as the Black Shirts uh, will will look to t- take down this Iowa Hawkeye offense. We'll give you our thoughts on that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's going to be physical. They're going to obviously, they have a great will to run the ball. And like I said, they, their, their thought process of how they do it is really good because they, they have a lot of hard, long flow running plays, and then they have great bootleg going exactly the opposite direction so you know we're going to have to be really good and sound and yes I think we have to play really good defense to win this game. Oh yeah it'll, it'll be definitely it's definitely going to be a big key for this game um, like you said I didn't I didn't even know they didn't have 100 yards uh, passing but you know that's, that's their identity they're going to try to run the ball 
So um, being able to, to, to stop the run is going to be and, and make them throw the ball is going to be real important this week. And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. You just heard from head coach Mike Riley and defensive tackle Kevin Maurice on just the challenge ahead this week for Nebraska on slowing down this Iowa running game. And really, that's all they want to do as an offense. This segment here of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln. If you're not traveling to Iowa City, it's a perfect time to get out of your house. You've been in your house all weekend here with uh, Thanksgiving uh, on Thursday. You want to get out, watch the game, have a beer, get some wings, get into Tanner's in Omaha and Lincoln and and watch this Nebraska-Iowa game on 2.30 and obviously lots of football on Saturday and Sunday as well. But, Robert, I, I do think when you look at this game for Nebraska and Iowa, both teams want to run the ball. Both teams are good at stopping the run. And Mike Riley made the point. It's who's going to come up with the curveballs to find ways to run the ball and do things um, in the key plays. And um, last year I felt like Nebraska did a great job against Iowa other than the two big runs, and that was when Nathan Gary was out of the game, their best safety. Um, and they had another guy, I think his Aaron Williams, had to come in and, and made some poor angles to allow those big runs. But you you look at this Iowa team and 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 what they do, I, I think it's a good matchup for Nebraska. It's a matter of can they play physical and execute. Yeah, Iowa makes zero secrets about what they want to do offensively. They're going to run the ball at you from the opening play and do it all day long and maybe throw in a couple play-action passes. But uh, if you cannot stop the run against Iowa, you are in for a very, very long day. They have two running backs with over 800 yards rushing in LaShawn Daniels and uh, Akram Wadley, uh, and those two guys, uh, that one-two punch is, you know, the same which one about Iowa's offense. That's probably as good as, you know, Nebraska's seen, you know, maybe next to Ohio Wisconsin. State. Yeah, well, maybe Wisconsin. So, uh, but just from a physicality standpoint, I mean, this is going to, I mean, some of the defensive guys talked about just being beat up at this point in the season. Uh, they're going to definitely feel it um, come Friday. Uh, it, so they, they better become ready to play physically. And then not only that, you can't oversell against the run, too, just because Iowa's play action is, is better than people give it credit for. Yeah, Nate, you look at Iowa, I mean, they've run the same playbook for 18 seasons, and we're very familiar with Greg Davis um, as Nebraska feasted on him. Even though they didn't beat Texas, they had a lot of success at times um, against some of his offenses at Texas. So it's nothing exotic. It's just going to come down to who's going to be the man, who's going to be the guy that make the tackles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for his, I guess, his uh... – as hard-headed as, as we talked about their defense being, you know, keeping the linebackers out there, they're, they're just as stubborn on offense. They're going to do what they want to do. They're not going to be very flashy about it, but uh, you do have to uh, uh, you have to bring your lunch pail, I guess, and your hard hat and, and go to work against these guys and, and kind of shut down that run. But you also have to be aware of the, the, the play action and everything. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if a, you know, if a guy like Noah Fant, you know, the, the freshman out of Omaha South. How about that? I'm sh- you know, he's, he's – He's having an okay year. He's he's been a factor in their passing game. I'm sure he's going to be a player that you have to watch out for on a on a uh, play action pass. But you know, C.J. Beathard uh, is is not a, a threat to really run the football. I think he's got negative um, 75 rushing yards on on the season. So uh, and uh, you know he's he's not going to beat you with his arm. So if you can slow down that rushing offense, you know, I, I think it, that's going to bode well for the Huskers. Yeah, you, you look at it from a wide receiver standpoint. I think Iowa is one of the least talented groups right now, especially when you take Vandenberg out, their top guy. And then Kittle, their their top tight their top tight end has been 
uh, bothered, and you know I, I don't think he's available. So that's why a guy like Noah Fan has stepped up. But they don't really stretch the field. I mean, you go back to the Big Ten championship game last year. What they did was they bored Michigan State to death, and then they take that one or two shot plays, and they executed. They thought they won the game on that shot play. Then Michigan State had, you know, the twenty some play drive to win it at the end. Uh, but that's what they're going to do. They're going to bore you and bore you and bore you, and then when you least expect it, mm-hmm. they push that button for the shot play. Yeah, and so yeah, they, they they get it in bunches or chunks, I should say. You know, I mean. Uh, C.J. Beathard's only averaging about 160 yards passing per game. And, you know, Nebraska did a pretty good job of locking him down last year. I mean, he was only 9 of 16 for 97 yards uh, in that win in Lincoln a year ago. So uh, Nebraska had a good plan for him then, and I imagine they'll have a good one for him this time. But, again, it comes down to the explosive plays. And one thing that should be noted, uh, Nebraska had maybe their best day when it comes to explosive plays, last week uh, versus Maryland, they they had eight uh, explosive plays, which can be you know twenty yards or more uh, of their own, and only had uh, one play, the ninety-two yard touchdown, uh, given up to Maryland. So in that regard, uh, they they've been pretty good. Well, how about this stat, Nate? As far as improvement for this defensive line goes, Nebraska already through eleven games has matched their thirteen-game sack total from a year ago. I um, mean, you think about last year, they had. Two NFL starters on that D-line, Collins and Valentine, and then McMullen and Gangwish. They had a lot more to work with. So uh, those guys up front, you know, they're not Malik Collins. They're not Vincent Valentine. But John Perella has gotten a lot out of this group. Yeah, tip your hat to John Perella. I mean, he's done a great job. And of that, that defensive line, I think, is probably the, the one position group on defense where everyone thought would be kind of a liability for the Huskers this, this year. And, and really, they've played great. I think they've exceeded expectations. Kevin Maurice, I, I, you can't say enough about the play that they're getting out of him. You know, heading into the season, he had one career start under his belt, and you didn't really know exactly what he was going to give you all season long. But I think he's been as consistent – out of pretty much any any defensive tackle in the, in the league. You talk to John Perella, the guy just heaps praise on Kevin Maurice and, and basically says he wouldn't trade him for anyone else in the league. They conference. think he's going to play in the league. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they think he can be have a very long career in, in the in the NFL. So, um, you know, for honestly, that, that front seven as a whole has played really well. Um, and, and if they can continue playing at that high level, uh, I think it could be a long day for Iowa. Well, and if, you know, the winner of this game for Nebraska, a lot of bowl implications um, for Iowa. They're looking like a loss would send them to uh, Nashville. Um, a win could get them to the Holiday Bowl. So, And for Nebraska, we uh, they, they look like they're in good position to go to Tampa right now, but they could slip possibly to Nashville with a loss and some other things happening. And a win, that you, you never know. They could backdoor into uh, a New Year's Six game like the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl. Uh, so a lot of implications here, Robin. Um, for Nebraska's defense to have to go out there and try to win this game uh, to to get them to a better spot in January. Yeah, I agree. And here's another thing that we haven't really discussed yet is the the special teams. Obviously, that's been as criticized as any aspect of Nebraska's team all season long. And Iowa might just have the best special teams unit in the Big Ten. I mean, they rank first in the league in kickoff returns, second in punt returns, third in overall punting, and they have the probably the best return man in the conference in Desmond King. So uh, I'll take Peppers over King. Okay. I don't know, but statistically, he's averaging 25 yards of return. But uh, either way, uh, Nebraska has to be at its best on special teams, and that's a unit that has struggled mightily it's over big, the last few weeks. It's a weeks. big Bruce Reed week. This is a huge Bruce Reed. And you never know, going 
into Iowa City with that wind blowing. Uh, we don't know what the status of Drew Brown. Uh, if Spencer Lindsay has to go in there and handle the kicking duties, how's that going to impact things? So uh, there, that that may be kind of the, the issue not a lot of people are talking about, that Iowa might have a pretty big advantage. Yeah, I think that's a great point, uh, especially when your quarterback situation is still kind of up in the air. You, you need one of those uh, other two phases of the game to really step up and maybe um, you know overcompensate for, for that, that offense. All right, well, when we come back, uh, we are going to shift over. We're going to get a quick update on Nebraska basketball as the Huskers are uh, playing here in a Thanksgiving weekend tournament, and uh, Tim Miles' team off to a good start. We'll get a full update from Robin Washett on Nebraska ball. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I, I really like our starting five. And then beyond that, we've just found enough guys to help us out. We need more. I would like to get Anton Gill on track, but, you know, he's going to have to do it against high, high quality competition, and I know he can. Isaiah Roby, I thought, played a little better, although he wasn't, uh, his on-ball defense wasn't as good. They were so small, I just didn't feel like I could play Jordy in another big, uh, and it's hard to sub three bigs in. We'll need, we're going to need all these guys in, in this stretch here. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for the Black Friday showdown in Iowa City, Nebraska, and Iowa. It's a 2.30 game on ABC, but we do want to talk a little Nebraska basketball here as the Huskers are off to a pretty good start here to this 2016-17 season as uh, they swept right through their opening three home games, which was to be expected, but they did get you know a respectable team, Robin, and Louisiana Tech picked to win uh, Conference USA by a lot of publications and uh, you know, took them out here uh, really on not their best night, but uh, through the first few home games here, what are your thoughts of this Nebraska basketball team? I would put probably the most stock, obviously, into that Louisiana Tech game, just because the first two games, they kind of are what they are. And not only that, uh, Nebraska was kind of just experimenting with a whole bunch of different lineups, uh, really just kind of seeing what they have and getting the young guys a lot of minutes. So um, that really wasn't the team you're going to see, you know, once things start to get for real here. Uh, coming up, you know, later this or next week. So, uh, you know, I, I, that Louisiana Tech game was a good kind of intermediate step up. You know, they're, they're an athletic team. You know, they're a lot better than people probably thought. Um, you know, they're, they're starting center, started 10 games at Miami. Um, they got, kind of got a lot of those, you know, Southern dudes that, um, you know, maybe couldn't quite get into, you know, the, the, the high majors around the southeast part of the country that, that uh, you know, can play some ball. And so that, that was their they're high-intensity, high-ball pressure team. Uh, that really, you know, put it was a big test for Nebraska's backcourt, and uh, I think all in all, Nebraska, you know, did pretty well. They, 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 there was a Louisiana Tech team that came in averaging 81 points a game, and uh, you know, Nebraska cut that down by 30 in that game. So um, a lot of positives to come away with that. You know, clearly, you know, Nebraska's still a work in progress, and uh, I think they're going to find a whole lot about themselves about what they're really about. Um, you know, starting with that game um, on Thursday against Dayton. Um, and then, you know, who knows what they're going to face after that. If they somehow beat Dayton, they're likely going to play UCLA in the next round. So um, things are going to kick up in a major way here this weekend. So um, I guess uh, things have gone well through the first three games, but um, clearly, you know, there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered. And you mentioned it, it's a non-conference schedule that includes Dayton, possibly UCLA, uh, Creighton, who's now basically a top 10 team, Kansas, who's a top 10 team. Um, so it is a challenging schedule where, you know, if they could get out of there with, you know, a nine three or, you know, like a three or four, I mean, if they could get some wins here out in Anaheim, a win or two would go a long ways because you, you know, that back-to-back stretch ahead with Creighton and Kansas, 
that might be as far as rankings go the the, the toughest back to back stretch Nebraska's maybe ever played in the non conference in a long time. Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly right up there uh, as you know as far as I've been covering the team, which goes back to you know the early two thousands. Uh, that's as hard of a stretch uh, as I can remember, especially with how you know good some of those teams like Creighton uh, have become. <laughs> and we knew they were going to be good, but uh, they're playing at a pretty high level right now. So um, yeah, it's it's certainly imperative for Nebraska to get some sort of positive momentum out of this wooden wooden legacy. Can't talk uh, tournament, and so obviously you got a 25 win team from Dayton a year ago. Um, you know they're probably going to be without one of their better players, Josh Cunningham, who was injured uh, last week. But um, still, they're a very talented team that returns a lot of experience from a very good team a year ago. Um, so if they can somehow get by that, you know, obviously then, you know, UCLA plays Portland, so you, you project UCLA to win that. But, um, you know, if Nebraska does lose that opener, you know, you're probably going to face a Portland team that you have to beat. And then, you know, on the other side of the bracket, you have potentially Texas A&M, New Mexico, Virginia Tech. Uh, that you know you're, you're probably going to run into. So um, there's going to be some good opportunities here for some really quality wins. It's like a poor man's experience. Maui invitation. Yeah, and, and so it's 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 a, I think it's right where Nebraska you know needs to be. You know I don't think that they would fare too well if the competition were any better than what it is. Uh, so this is a nice kind of uh, uh, real you know barometer of of what this team's all about, and it's going to start with Dayton because Dayton's no joke. We're we're talking Nebraska basketball here with Robin Washhead on the Husker Online show as the Huskers are. Just getting things going here, and and you know one observation I've made, Robin, after watching Tim Miles' team here, uh, these first three home games, and also the uh, exhibition game, is it's going to almost be a different guy every night. Yeah. I mean, one night Glenn Watson went off, then the next night, you know, Ty ja- Jack McVay and Ty Webster go off. There really isn't a consistent guy. You know, Michael Jacobson too. I think he does a lot of little things that don't show up on the stat sheet. He's mm-hmm. just a, a good smart basketball player but uh, a lot of guys Ed Morrow has improved a lot I mean there there's a lot of encouragement you can take from these first three games with just how it's not just a team built around one guy yeah they don't have necessarily the star power that they've had in previous years but uh, I think that can be a good thing Um, you know Nebraska potentially could go eight nine maybe even ten deep um, you know if everybody's healthy uh, and I think they have to use that to their advantage. I mean, that's one thing they have. They have numbers and they have versatility. Um, so what they may be lacking, and, you know, you're, you're all conference-type players, uh, you have a lot of guys that, as you said, can step up on any given night and help carry the load. And uh, I guess if you were to point to maybe the go-to guy through the first three games is Ty Webster. I mean, leads the team 17 points a game, five, almost five and a half rebounds a game, shooting 50% from the floor. Uh, he's really elevated his game, you know, which he had to. I mean, the lone senior on this roster, there was a big responsibility on his shoulders to to, to be that guy that sets the tone. And um, last time out against Louisiana Tech, we saw that. I mean, they were they were struggling, um, and Ty Webster turned the ball over five times in the first, you know eight minutes or something, maybe 10 minutes of the game. And a few years ago, there was points where he maybe just would have completely shut down from that and got frustrated and kind of mentally checked out of the game. He stuck with it, ended up dropping, you know, 23 points for the best scoring game of his career. So, uh, yeah, there's there's lots of things to feel good about. Glenn Watson's playing at a great level right now. And, you know, he had that you know 20-point game um, early on. Uh, hasn't scored necessarily as much since, but the way he's facilitating and you know, running that offense is exactly what Tim Miles wants out of him. And then Jack McVay, his three-point shooting has been such a pleasant surprise. He's made 10 threes already through three games, uh, shooting 52% from beyond the arc. 
And that's a that's such a huge role for him to take that on because that was a big void in this lineup going into the year that uh, they didn't have that one kind of legit perimeter threat. And um, if he's able to keep that up, that changes the entire dynamic of this lineup. So uh, that's certainly encouraging. And you mentioned the big guys, Ed Morrow, Michael Jacobson, and you know Jordy Schmanga. Schmanga needs to kind of yeah, get he, it going a little he's, bit. He's he's quote unquote swimming in it. Uh, but you know you expect that from a guy that's you know in his fourth or fifth year of playing organized basketball. But Jacobson, Morrow. Uh, the, the, the gains they've made in their strength and conditioning, uh, they look like completely different players. I think they're going to be more than capable of holding their own physically when they get into the Big Ten and even in the, when they, the non-con competition steps up, um, just, just physically being able to hold their own. So uh, lots of reasons to feel good. Yep. Um, and, and I think the young guys we haven't even talked about, Isaiah Roby, Jariah Horn, um, you know, they're, they've really shown some flashes, and Tim Miles really likes that combo. In fact, uh, looking ahead to these next few games, don't be surprised if you see more lineups with Horn and Roby on the floor together uh, just because he really likes what they bring to the table so far. Yeah, there's no doubt we're going to learn a lot about Nebraska ball as they um, get into this week um, in Anaheim and in this weekend as these Thanksgiving tournaments are, are great measuring sticks for all programs. I mean, usually any Power Five or you know major program takes part in an event like this, and, and we're just going to learn so much. Then you know Nebraska has to go on the road at Clemson in the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. So they, they will not be home again until uh, a December 3rd home game against South Dakota. That's a Saturday, I believe. Yep, Saturday. Same day as uh, the conference championship football games. It's a 1 o'clock game. Uh, then Creighton um, will be Wednesday that week at 8. So um, it will be a while before we get the Huskers back at home. But no doubt it should be uh, exciting to see how they fare against some uh, Power Five or major type of competition. When we come back, we're going to close the show with Nate Klaus. We're going to get an update on recruiting and a preview of maybe what, what the Husker coaches will be targeting here on the road as Nebraska's coaches will hit the road after the game against Iowa. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And final segment here of the Husker Online Show as we are getting you ready for the Black Friday showdown in Iowa City. It's Nebraska, it's Iowa. It's a tradition for the Heroes Trophy as Nebraska has won three of the five meetings trying to make it uh, a four to two edge in this Heroes game uh, trophy series. Uh, but Nate, um, you know, recruiting wise, Huskers had just one official visitor, um, a lot of kind of higher profile underclassmen, unofficial visitors. But uh, let's get down to the news on uh, who was in and, and how did the weekend go? Yeah, just one official visitor with Jeremiah Holloman making it into Lincoln with his family, which was a big deal because he was originally scheduled to visit during the Minnesota game, um, but had suffered an injury to his, his wrist or to his hand. Um, the night before that he was supposed to fly out and was unable to, to fly out or, or the doctor at least recommended that he not fly. So uh, it was kind of a mystery, you know, whether or not he was going to end up making it to Lincoln, but he did. And, and the visit went extremely well. He, he said that, um, you know, it, it was it was one of those trips where it wasn't a wasted trip whatsoever. He's a mid-year enrollee. He, he has legitimate interests in Nebraska. He's got a very good relationship with Keith Williams, and and he wanted to see certain things. He wanted to see the, the depth at wide receiver. He wanted to see the offense up close. He wanted to get a good feel for what type of family atmosphere exists at Nebraska. They wanted to be around the team and around the coaches and, and just see if Lincoln is, is a place that, that he could be comfortable, you know, being a, being a guy from 
from outside of Atlanta coming to Lincoln. He just wanted to to get a good feel for everything, and he left with uh, you know basically giving Nebraska rave uh, you know rave reviews uh, about uh, about the trip as as a whole. Um, and I think the Huskers you know vaulted up his list a little bit. It's still going to be a tough deal uh, to land a talent like him. Uh, I think that Georgia is still in the mix. Uh, you've also have Miami, uh, Notre Dame, or two other places that Auburn. He's, he's visited already, and then you've got Auburn and Tennessee maybe uh, on the periphery as well. So uh, he's planning on maybe taking one more, possibly two more visits, but ultimately having a decision by mid-December uh, since There's he just, isn't an early enrollee. So he'd have two visit weekends that he could go in, or is there three left? There's, I think there's two for sure, uh, possibly three. I think the 19th is – is uh, A live weekend. Uh, well, I think that's when – I think that's when – Players, mid-year enrollees have to have to have their decisions made or are announcing, I guess. So, um, you know, there's it's possibly I think it's two for sure, possibly three. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to look at the calendar a little bit closer, but um, he's planning on taking one more trip for sure, maybe two more uh, before he goes ahead and and uh, you know comes up with a decision here in the middle of of December. And he, I mean, look, he he's a dynamic player. He's um, you know the spark score, basically the performance index testing out of out of about 8000 kids he, he holds the the eighth tops or the eighth best score in the nation uh, at 6390 pounds he would be a great addition to uh, to a, a key a key position in this recruiting class uh, the December 11th is when junior college athletes um, sign according uh, to the recruiting calendar here so that would be the the mid-year enrollee date um, and then so that that is the date to know. I mean, they've they've changed this calendar a lot. Yeah. A lot of it's because of the the playoff schedule and in and, and fairness. You know, the teams need you know time to be able to recruit and and, and prepare for these playoff games that get later and later in the year. But um, December used to be you know a, a nice three week period where it's it's kind of shrunk itself down to a two week period. Nate and um, assuming Nebraska doesn't get to Indianapolis, which they'd have to beat Iowa and then Wisconsin would have to lose to Minnesota. They're going to have two big weeks now to go on the road as a staff. Um, what do you think the game plan is? How many of the Mike Riley in-home visits do you burn here in December? Well, I, I think the I think the the kind of the game plan is going to be a lot like we saw last year. We saw Mike Riley use quite a few of his in-home visits right away uh, early on, and and uh, you know just like we've seen with the official visit you know visitor list this season, they've they've brought in their high-profile guys right away, and so I think that what you'd probably want to do is is to go out and see a lot of those guys that you remain in the mix for, um, you know, and kind of kind of get them back re-energized, I guess, on Nebraska because sometimes you know everyone has that post-visit high where you're coming in you're coming off your official visit to Nebraska and, and everything's great you know it's it's the best trip that you've been on so far and the Huskers set the bar pretty high and you know the all the the common narratives that, that come out of all those official visits but um, since that you know a lot of time has kind of elapsed from from then uh, for from those visits I think you you probably want to send out at least multiple staff members to a lot of these in homes but um, but also you kind of want to send out Riley uh, to some of these some of these players that maybe are on the fence and you're wanting to, to get a little get a little movement going in this class because they're in somewhat of a drought you know it's been two months or so since they got their last commitment and you know the head coach gets one official or one in-home visit uh, per prospect 
um, assistant coaches can visit a prospect five times, correct? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the, you know, strategically, you go back to last year, like Lamar Jackson. I mean, Nebraska, I think, conducted all five in-home visits with him. And, you know, on a key guy like that, that's what you kind of try to strategize. Like, who are we going to need to, you know, put the most resources to? And you kind of build a little attack plan here over this uh, period. And I'm sure Ryan Gunderson and, and, and the whole crew up there have really uh, got a strategic plan laid out here. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All those Ryan Gunderson, Andy Vaughn, Todd McShane, Kenny Wilhite, I mean, all those guys are very involved and in, in kind of putting together the plan of attack, uh, especially once the once the contact period kicks off. I mean, that's, that's the final stretch run, you know, leading up to signing day, and it's very important to maximize everything, especially because we're like we were talking about, you know, the with December being shrunk down, you know, you basically have about a month of, of a dead period now. So you want to be I, I think you want to be very strategic in how you use utilize the first couple weeks in December uh, and then have a good plan in place for how to finish this class off strong. Uh, they're still in the hunt for a, a ton of high profile guys, um, still kind of a couple of positions where there's some question marks, too. So you you, you have to utilize these next few weeks uh, and really over the next couple months uh, very, very well. Nate, I'm going to throw a random one at you here as we talk recruiting storylines, but Les Miles' name has been mentioned for a lot of jobs, even the Purdue job here in the Big Ten. His son, Ben Miles, as we know, is a Husker commit. What is your uh, confidence level that if Les Miles, say, lands a Big Ten job or a, a quality, fresh start, Power Five job, do you think his son will follow his father or do you think he'll stick with Nebraska? Yeah, it's a good question and that's it's something that people are starting to wonder about, you know, what exactly happens of, of Ben Miles' commitment uh, depending on where Les ends up and, and right now I, I get the feeling that unless Les Miles ends up at a big time school, I think I think Ben ends up, you know, sticking with his Nebraska commitment. But, you know, if if something happened where all of a sudden Les Miles ends up at Texas or, you know, a place like that, I could see I could see Ben maybe going going with his father, going to They're gonna need a fullback at yeah, Texas. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean I it all depends on the type of job he gets in my opinion. And uh but as as of now I feel I feel pretty confident that that Ben will stick by stick by his word uh with the Huskers. Yeah, it will be interesting just because you know Ben has been very close to the vest. I mean he he is trained well. I mean you, you don't see him really divulge a whole lot and and you know when was his official he has he taken his official to Lincoln yet no it has not um and and the that's the thing he's uh you know he is he's he's well trained like you said he um he's not on social media a ton uh, you know not very not very vocal he, he does play things pretty close to the vest and and what he does say uh in in the limited interviews that he does give is uh you know, it's reminiscent of of coach speak. He he's been around the he knows the drill. He's been around it an awful lot, so he doesn't divulge a whole lot of information. But um, you know, I, I do think after their after their run here in the playoffs, I, I feel like uh, we'll see him be you know taking his official visit to Nebraska. And like I said, at this point in time, I feel like um, I feel pretty confident that he still ends up in Nebraska, regardless of of where his father lands. All right, Nate. Well, it's going to be that time of the year where we're probably going to have two. Re- recruiting segments going forward here for the next uh, several weeks uh, into signing a but uh, should be fun in Iowa looking forward to, to, to seeing how that turns out and you know the coaches be on the road right away uh, right after that game uh, on the weekend so lots to log on uh, to Husker Online make sure you are on Husker Online as we will have complete coverage from Iowa City as Nebraska will take on Iowa
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.